At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign overall. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. Part of being alive at any time, at any place, all over the earth, is traversing life's joys and struggles of the journey. There's ups and downs, there's highs and lows for every person ever. There's this journey that we're on. Some seasons and experiences that we have the privilege of going through bring about delight and celebration, and we praise God in those moments. While others, troubles seem to multiply and stack on top of one another, and you feel like you're all out of options. Our family, um, the first two weeks of this year, we've been able to sleep in our home two nights uh, of the last two weeks because we've had plumbing issues, right? Uh, And I'm not uh, that upset about it. It's just stuff and things. But when you see water coming out from under your cabinets, It's one of those all out of options moments. I look and I'm like, I talk for a living. I have no real skills. I can't do anything about this, right? But I feel just kind of all out of options. And, you know, we had one of those moments and praise God, we're back in our house. It's no big deal. But when you encounter those all out of options moments, it can feel hard, can't it? As Pastor Jeff already mentioned that we can know God is good and unfailing, but sometimes we don't feel or experience that. And maybe you've been in one of those all out of options moments recently in your life, or maybe you might actually be in one of those all out of options moments right now. Maybe you feel like this oppressive culture that we live in uh, is warring or clashing against the Christian values that you desire to live your whole life according to. And that's why we're preaching this sermon series called Class of Cultures throughout the book of Daniel, just the first six chapters in the book of Daniel, clash of cultures, where we know we live in a culture that maybe once felt warmer or friendlier to the Christian faith, but today you can worship just about anything except Jesus. It seems like the world wants you to worship anything, self-included, except Jesus. So as we may feel like we're in an all-out-of-options moment, I want us to be encouraged today, just as Pastor Jeff has already given encouragement through prayer, as Ryan has given encouragement through worship, I pray that we find encouragement through the word today. Through a clash of cultures that Daniel and his friends experienced 2,500 plus years ago. May their experience and their clash of culture give us encouragement and inform our experience and our clash of culture today. 
So if you were with us last week, you saw chapter one. I'm not sure how much, uh, if Pastor Jeff preached last week, I'm not sure how far he got through Daniel chapter one. I don't really understand being able to preach one full chapter of Daniel at a time on a Sunday, but we're gonna do our best today. You saw last week, if you were here with us, that Daniel and his friends, they were experiencing some successes in their journey, even though they had some really difficult times where their homeland had been ransacked, they'd been kidnapped, they were forced into exile, but God had given them skill. God had given them insight. Uh, Verse 15 said that they were fatter in flesh. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. That's a good thing here in Daniel chapter 1, right? They had success in their responsibilities. And as we look at chapter 2 today, all 49 verses, uh, we're going to see that they've encountered this all out of options moment. Some of their successes and Joy that they've experienced is being threatened of being taken away because of a dream that someone had. What they knew then and what they learned and what we can learn from the scriptures today and what we're going to focus on today is this timeless truth that God is greater. And I want us to just, uh, on a cold day, can we just repeat, we just repeat after me that God is greater. God is greater. God is greater. Come on, everybody. God is greater. Hallelujah. Daniel and his friends knew that. And I think, again, as we repeat that and chant that, we might know that. But I pray that the word will give us a deep, abiding encouragement of that today. So open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Like I said, we're going to try to cover all 49 verses today. Um, I'm probably just going to skip one of the points. I'm not sure which one it's going to be yet. Uh, But thank God you've got a book here, right? I don't know if you guys have books available at the campus. If you didn't have one of these books, you can buy them on Amazon. And that covers everything that the preachers miss on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, So this chapter, chapter two, opens with King Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. And he remembers enough about this dream to wake up fearful, to wake up in terror. So the the book opens, chapter two opens with uh, having a number of dreams. And he's wondering about these dreams, and which was common in the ancient Near East a few thousand years ago, that kings were believed to receive messages from the gods. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He believes that there's something maybe from the gods to him and to get the meaning of this dream he calls in his spiritual counselors his advisors the people that are supposed to have deep insight and he's thinking that because of the Babylonian wisdom that existed because this kingdom is so great that all of these peoples that he has assembled these magicians enchanters sorcerers priests psychics all these people they would be able to grant him some comfort from this dream now, these advisors, as King Nebuchadnezzar calls them in, he, they ask him a pretty logical request three times in the first few verses of chapter 2. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, clearly you're upset. Tell us what you dreamt, and we'll tell you what it means. And he says, no, that's not, that's not how this is going to go. I believe that this might be a message from the gods, and the only way that it's going to be confirmed, and my word is going to be sure and firm on this, is you're going to tell me what I dreamt, and you're going to tell me what it means. And they respond accordingly. They say, no one can show you this except the gods. Now, they're partly right, right? Uh, No one can reveal what someone dreamed and what the dream meant except the gods or the one true God as we see. So the first 12 verses of Daniel chapter 2 is kind of this this back and forth between King Nebuchadnezzar as spiritual advisors and counselors and They don't want to do it the way that he wants to do it. And he says, I can tell that you're stalling. And what's going to happen is I'm going to get really angry. And what did uh, ancient kings do when they got really angry? 
They killed everyone, right? So uh, verse 13 comes out and it says this. So the decree went out. King Nebuchadnezzar is mad at the people that are supposed to have the answers. Mad at the people that are supposed to have the answers. Verse 13. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. We're going to slow down just a minute here. Uh, Most scholars at this time in the book of Daniel would uh, conclude or presume that Daniel and his companions had gone through some of their cultural assimilation training, that they had made their way into the place of the wise men. That's where they were landed. That's the part of uh, kind of the business or the culture of the organization that they were planted in, that they had been trained. And now they're going to be killed because their group, their department, wasn't able to deliver the thing that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted. Now, as this message comes to Daniel, uh, I love what he does. He, he asks for an extension on his own execution, right? He's like, okay, just, just give me a little bit more time. And he goes back to his friends seemingly with hope. And, and as I was just reading through Daniel chapter 2, it just was kind of strange to me, right? Like the first 12, 13 verses come out and There's this back and forth between the experts of spiritual insight and counsel and wisdom and discerning spiritual forces and Nebuchadnezzar. And they're not able to deliver the answer he wants about this dream that he had that was causing him fear. So he says, all the wise men, the whole department is getting cut. Everybody's getting killed. So Daniel says, why don't you just give me a little bit of time? Why would he have hope in that moment? We don't think he's just stalling, right? But why would Daniel have hope to say to King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, henchmen at this point in time, like, "Just just give me a little bit of time. Let me go back with my friends and see if I can find an answer. And again, think about the position that they're in right now. Homeland ransacked, invaded, taken, kidnapped, exiled. All the successes they experienced in chapter one seemingly are going out the window. They're all out of options. And I think that this is indicative of these highs and lows of life's journey. That as Daniel gets this pretty bad news, right? You're gonna die. But he says, just just hold on a minute. So how could Daniel and his friends appear to have confidence when they're all out of options? How can we have confidence when we appear to be all out of options? I pray that we'll learn the same truth that Daniel and his friends knew. They knew a very special truth that no one around them seemed to know at that time. And it was point number one, that God's wisdom is greater. That if you know God's wisdom is greater, no matter the bad news that you encounter, you know that there's a God whose wisdom is greater and desires to reveal things to those who want to trust in him. That's how when we're all out of options and when Daniel seemed to be all out of options could say, you know what, just give me some time. Let me go back and talk to my God with my friends and he's going to deliver something that's going to save our lives. So friends, God is greater, but God's wisdom is greater. I want to read verses 17, 18, and 19. Would you follow along with me? Daniel chapter 2, verses 17, 18, and 19. So Daniel had uh, asked for the extension on his execution in verse 15 and 16. And then verse 17 says this, Then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and, An- and Azariah and his companions, and told them, Seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. 
Verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. How could he have hope when it seems like everything is lost and he's all out of options because he knows a God whose wisdom is greater? And I love that there's this confounding, baffling mystery from the most powerful man on earth at this time, King Nebuchadnezzar, and all the people he's assembled that can make sense of everything. But this young man, Daniel, who's new into this training program, seems to have an answer that is different than the one King Nebuchadnezzar is getting. And I think it's, it's ironic at this point in time as well. Now again, we don't have time to really go verse by verse, line by line throughout all of Daniel over these six weeks, but I, I really wanna encourage you to do some of your own reading, please. You can't just survive on Sunday mornings alone. You've gotta read the word for yourself. You need God's word more than you need my word. Everyone can say amen real loud to that. I won't be offended, okay? You need God's word more than you need my words. It's ironic that Daniel and his companions were brought into Babylon, why? So they could be trained in Babylonian wisdom. And Babylonian wisdom doesn't seem to be working right now. That Daniel and his friends were ripped from their homeland so that they could be trained and educated and assimilated into the greatest kingdom that the world had known at that time, but that kingdom couldn't produce answers when it desperately needed them. Now, I think that one of the things that we commonly do especially in church amongst good Christians. I mean, you guys are at the early service and it's like six degrees outside. You are holy people of God, hallelujah. One of the mistakes we make though, and one of the traps we fall into is we tend to beat up on the bad guys of the Bible, right? Like the Babylonian wisdom. We're like, who would ever trust Babylonian wisdom? Or when Jesus is condemning the Pharisees, you know, the church folks that think that they've got it figured out, one of the mistakes we make is we're like, oh, that could never be us. And I think the Bible is like, no, that, that's you, actually. I am talking to you. The word of God is talking to you right now. Because the Babylonians had amazing wisdom and amazing insight and incredible knowledge that historians have uncovered that the Babylonians and the Chaldeans and the sorcerers at this time charted the path of the moon and stars and planets. That's a, they had no technology at that time, right? But they charted the path of the moon and stars. And people today are arguing on TikTok whether or not the earth is round or flat. Like, these people had unbelievable knowledge. So when we hear, like, oh, of course the Babylonian wisdom is not stacking up. It's not adding up. Of course God's wisdom is smarter. It's a trap that we can tend to fall into, I think, because how many of you have maybe at least just once in your life looked to the world for wisdom? How many, how many of your neighbors sitting next to you at church have looked to the world for wisdom? Everybody's hand's gonna go up now. I think there's one more thing, uh, kind of a digression. And starting in chapter, uh, chapter two, verse four, the language of the book begins to change. That it's written in Hebrew, and then from chapter two, verse four, all the way through the end of chapter seven, it's written in Aramaic, and then from chapter eight to chapter 12, it's written in Hebrew again. It's interesting, like not many books are written like that. There's a couple exceptions where uh, language kind of changed back and forth, but for the most part, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew and the New Testament's written in, in Greek, for the most part. But, but why is this? Why is there a change in language? And I think, and I think that commentators would agree that this would indicate God's concern for all people of earth, that God is giving a message 
to the Babylonians in a language they would understand, being written through Daniel, God's wisdom through Daniel, to the greatest kingdom the world had ever known at that time, so they would understand his wisdom is greater. Now later, it's also written in Hebrew because there's prophecy given to the Jewish people and what would happen to God's people as well. So I think this shows that God is concerned about all people, but that God wants to speak his wisdom to the worldly structures that think they have the greatest wisdom. Now this situation demonstrates limitations on lowercase k kingdom wisdom. Lowercase k kingdom wisdom. There's all kinds of kingdoms of the earth. There's all kinds of kingdoms that are being built and all kinds of kingdoms that have risen and have fallen. This situation with Daniel and his companions and King Nebuchadnezzar showcases that there's a limitation to this worldly wisdom. Daniel and his friends believed that every source of wisdom in the world had a, had a limit on it except the wisdom of God. And friends, I pray that that's what we are learning to understand as well. For some of us who have been around for a while, you know, you've seen the news say that this is what's going to happen and then something else happens and somehow we still believe the news. I remember when I was growing up, my mom stopped putting ketchup in the refrigerator because she heard ketchup causes cancer. And then she heard something else like on a talk show and then we ate ketchup again, right? I, like, I remember that still as a 37-year-old man. I'm like, why did we stop having ketchup for a couple years at our house? The world's wisdom is circular. God's wisdom is greater. Daniel and his friends knew that deeply. They could have confidence even when they appeared to be all out of options. They went to God whom nothing is hidden from who nothing is hidden from, the, the thoughts of the mind, the emotions or intentions of the heart, even the content of dreams is not hidden from an all-powerful, all-wise, greater God. Immediately, Daniel and his friends get an answer to this prayer, right? Daniel says, let's seek mercy from God and he'll reveal this mystery to us. Immediately, it's revealed to them and what do they do? They break out into praise. They break out into thanksgiving. Verses 20 through 23 is Daniel blessing God, saying, you are amazing, God. All these things, you're a revealer of mysteries. You reveal deep and hidden things. You know what's in the darkness. This can only happen when you run into an all-out-of-options moment and you go to God. Far too common, though, friends, I think we are used to going to other places for wisdom, other places for knowledge, other places for quick fixes, other places that might deliver more quickly and more easily to us. But I pray that we'll learn from the book of Daniel, as there's this theme that continues through the book of Daniel, of a God who reveals a God who reveals. How many of you are dealing with at least one mystery in your life right now? You're not really sure why this person's acting that way. You're not really sure why do I even do the things that I do or why is the world going the way that it goes? Can we please just commit to pray to a God who reveals and he'll grant us wisdom and insight? Because this is another thing that God shows is he wants to share his wisdom. He wants to share it with those who will trust him. The book of James tells us this as well, right? That if any of you lacks wisdom, let him, go ahead and say it loud if you know it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. That's right. Your neighbor, hears, your neighbor needs that from you today, right? We need to ask together. I love also that Daniel just doesn't go pray by himself and then go back to King Nebuchadnezzar. No, he goes to his friends and he says, we got to sort this out together. We together need to ask for mercy from the God of heaven right now to grant us a revelation of this mystery. 
It's a prayer meeting. When they're faced with something so difficult, they go to a prayer meeting. This ought to be our response as well. And I know sometimes it's hard because our lives are busy and we've got jobs and all this stuff and it's six degrees out. Maybe it's nine degrees by now. I don't know. Uh, It can be hard for us to live this. It's really easy for us on a Sunday morning to know this. But it's hard for us to live this. Even though we know a God who's greater even though we can agree and say yes and amen that God's wisdom is greater, are we really going to him for that wisdom, friends? Are we really wholeheartedly committed to go to God for wisdom? Do you accept the invitation to come boldly to him? The word says it, that in your time of need, you can come to the throne of grace and he will grant you grace and help in your time of need. Or do we rely on False wisdom. Pick any three or four letter network, right? I'm, I will disparage all of them equally. I don't believe in any of them. I believe in the, the B-I-B-L-E, hallelujah, right? A couple people are like, I just stopped listening, <laughs> right? Or, you know, do you go to TikTok or Instagram or that one friend that's really smart but habitually rejects God for wisdom? Or perhaps the most dangerous place we go for wisdom, ourselves, our own reasoning. There's no person that's as easily deceived as ourself, right? Self-deception is so common in our lives. Are we really taking the invitation from God to say, you're greater, I know your wisdom's greater, and I'm not going to look anywhere else until I hear from you. Now, I'm not condemning certain areas of natural wisdom, right? Like, Uh, Again, I thank God that he gives wisdom and experience to plumbers, right? I looked at my floor and I wasn't like, okay, God, you stopped the Red Sea and I know you can do it here. I did pray. I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And and he's gracious, right? But go to plumbers, go to doctors, go to auto mechanics, trustworthy ones, right? Or good friends that you know are trusting the Lord and, and, and relying on his word in their life. You can go to other people and places, But ultimate wisdom comes from one place. That's God, our Father, the God who reveals. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit as a guide and counselor, the spirit of truth that testifies to our spirit. God's wisdom is greater, friends. So we should pray together when we're faced with an all-out-of-options moment. We should listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. We should uh, listen to the word of God. You should listen to the church, brothers and sisters in the Lord that might have a word for you. You should listen to creation as God speaks, but God's wisdom is greater. So Daniel receives this insight as King Nebuchadnezzar Dreams this dream. He's terrified. He doesn't get the answer that he wants from the people that he thinks he's supposed to have the answer from. Daniel and his friends pray. They receive the revelation of this mystery. And he goes back to King Nebuchadnezzar and says, I've got an answer. Right? God is greater. God's wisdom is greater. And then point number two is that God's kingdom is greater. This is the answer that Daniel gives to King Nebuchadnezzar. And I think that this is the point that we're going to basically skip. Uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into point number three. But I just... Point two is um, it's dangerous for me because there's so much good stuff in it. And thankfully, the Lions play the late game tonight. So you've got lots of extra time at church on Sunday, right? Well, at least until 11 and the other, the other uh, service starts. 
but there's a few things that we don't want to miss about point number two where God's kingdom is greater, right? So Daniel reveals in, in verses uh, 25 through 45 the contents of the dream as well as the interpretation of the dream. And he, he tells of this, this great statue that was erected and, and how King Nebuchadnezzar represents the golden head, right? That he has risen to the top and that the kingdom of Babylon has risen greater than any other kingdom that the world had known at this time. And then as the, the statue gets, uh, goes down to the feet, it, it goes down in, in decreasing uh, material value, right? So that the, the top is gold and the bottom is clay and iron. So it goes down in this decreasing material value. There's all kinds of commentary available on this. Definitely read the word for yourself. Talk to your Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, Pastor Jeff knows all this stuff front to back. He's got all the answers for anything the Bible. Yeah, amen. He's nodding his head. Yeah, amen, right? Uh, schedule a meeting. Uh, your calendar just got real full, Jeff, right? Uh, but there's a lot of really good, significant things that we don't want to miss about this. I don't think that, you know, the kingdom's decreasing in material value based upon the dream and the interpretation uh, is necessarily about scope or size or influence. Some of those later kingdoms were bigger and, and even more influential. I think what God is showing Daniel to tell King Nebuchadnezzar is that the kingdoms of this world are going to decrease in quality moral quality, that the world is not getting to a better place day after day after day after day. We're not going to finally figure it out as humanity and build our own utopia. That's never going to happen. The most significant thing from this dream, though, is that there's this rock, this weird rock that comes. It's a rock that wasn't cut with human hands. Now, anytime you hear that, right, uh, you can hear two things. One, something that's not uh, cut, formed, or made with human hands means that God is the one responsible for it. And it's also leading into idolatry. Almost every time the Bible talks about that, it's addressing idolatry. Something not made with human hands is addressing the things that are made with human hands that are going to crumble. Interestingly, again, just as a total aside, the Greek word uh, techni is almost always related to idolatry in the Bible as, as well. And who knows what word that is the root word of? Technology. Just, just pay attention. That's all. Just, just, uh, that one's for free. Um, <laughs> God's kingdom is greater. There's this rock, this stone not made with human hands, cut, and it dashes every kingdom. The statues are all torn apart. Everything is broken down. And that rock that wasn't formed with human hands turns into a great mountain. And we have a lot of information on that rock in the Bible, right? First Peter 2 talks about it, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. On this rock, I will build my kingdom. The great mountain of Zion. The thing that we need to learn that God's kingdom is greater from verses 25 through 45 is pretty simple. That there is only one kingdom that will last for all eternity. It's not Babylon, it's not the United States of America, it wasn't the Roman Empire, it is God's kingdom alone. And God giving this wisdom, this revelation, this information through Daniel to the most powerful man on earth at the time is bold, right? But it's also courageous. And it shows, again, I think, you know, Daniel, who at this time is probably well convinced that God's going to protect him and God is revealing great and hidden things that other people have known not of. 
But he's still going to the most powerful man in the world and saying, your kingdom that, that was built, it's all going to crumble because there's another stone, there's another rock, and that rock will grow into a large mountain, and that will be the kingdom of heaven that will never go away. And I think a lesson for us as we kind of look at this imagery, as we hear of Daniel's revelation, is, is really a question. And it's what kingdom are you building? Are we building a kingdom in our neighborhood? Are we building a kingdom based on our alma mater? Are we building a kingdom based on our occupation? Are we building a kingdom based on ourself? Whose kingdom are we building? Because if it's any kingdom other than the kingdom of heaven, what does this dream tell us? That there is a rock not formed by human hands that is going to come dash every one of those other kingdoms. And we say hallelujah to that. We don't get upset by that. And I think that's the common feeling is when we hear about the kingdom of God that's going to shatter every other earthly kingdom, some people are like, oh, no. I'm like, well, that's probably because we're too deeply invested in another kingdom. We want the kingdom of God to come. If we are God's people, we want his kingdom. We want his rule and reign. As you look around the world, as you turn on the news, as you see that things are not seeming to get better all over the world, that should cause a yearning in our hearts saying, yes, we want the right ruler to come. We want Lord Jesus to come. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus into earth right now. We want you. We need you. We're desperate for you. And that might mean that the life you're building is going to end in a way that you don't expect it to. That should challenge us again with the question, whose kingdom are you building? If we're building the kingdom of heaven and it comes, hallelujah. If we're building another kingdom and the kingdom of heaven comes and crushes it, you'll get to a hallelujah, but it may not feel like hallelujah right away. The God of heaven sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Regardless of any other king or kingdom that rise or fall, he is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate ruler. Now, when we're experiencing, again, some of these all-out-of-options moments, when we're experiencing difficulty in life or times where it feels like the forces of darkness are really strong and kind of encamped around us and surrounding us, And the kingdom of the world feels like it's gaining ground on us. Allow your heart to be stilled. Allow your fears to be assuaged by knowing that the kingdom of God is coming. That this dream that Daniel interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar is coming. That this is the kingdom that we're a part of. That this is the Savior who is coming. But it starts with us admitting our need for a Savior. If we think that we're going to do something that's going to save ourselves, friends, we're going to be disappointed. How many of you can testify that you've been disappointed trying to save yourself? It starts with an admission. And if it feels like um, you don't have enough wisdom in yourself to figure it out, you're right, you don't. If it feels like sin is too powerful for you to, to defeat on your own, you're right, you can't. We have to admit that we need a Savior, and that Savior loves us, and that Savior will heal us, and that Savior will deliver us, and that Savior's kingdom is coming, and we rejoice in that fact, and we allow the light of what is coming 
to impact the darkness that we face today. That's the kind of people that we're called to be. Now, we're going to, what time do we stop? 10.20 or so? <laughs> we're going to do this in about six minutes. Hallelujah. God, we need you. God is greater. Amen? God's wisdom is greater. Amen? God's kingdom is greater. Amen? Point number three is that God is greater than all other authority. God is greater than all authority. Let's read the last four verses in Daniel chapter 2. So it's 46 through 49. It says this, after Daniel has interpreted this dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, where he says the dream is certain, the interpretation is sure, King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Now remember, this is to Daniel, not to God. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Verse 48, then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. God is greater than all other authority. Nebuchadnezzar sees and hears this interpretation and he says, clearly, Daniel, you have something that I do not. You are petitioning a God that I know not of, that there is a God who is greater than any other lowercase g God. There is a Lord who is greater than any other lowercase k king. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is not making a profession of faith right now. He's making an acknowledgement that there is a God that I know not of. Now, he'll get there later on. Hallelujah. God continues to work on him. And Daniel is going to continue to write more about this son of man, this rock not, not formed by human hands. But as a young man, again, barely, nearly 20 years old or so, he watches the most powerful man in all the world exclaim that God is greater. Now, what this shows us is that whatever kingdom of the earth, when it comes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the kingdom of heaven, it bows. That this moment is a foreshadowing, I think, of, of Philippians chapter 2, right? At the name of Jesus, which is above every name, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a day that is coming, friends. So how do we live in light of that day today? You've got three minutes. Dream with me for just a couple moments about the impact on this world and the kingdom of heaven of a church filled with those who trust in a God that is greater. Dream with me about a church filled with those who are courageously seeking wisdom from the God who loves to share it who trust in a kingdom that's greater than anything man can form. We don't need to resort to fear or panic or defeat or paralysis when we see an enemy of God in front of us. God is greater, his wisdom is greater, his kingdom is greater, and he's greater than any other authority. When we place our faith in Jesus for salvation, we're given a, a myriad of blessings but two that I want to call out. One, we get the mind of Christ. Everybody say the mind of Christ. Wow, what a pearl of great price. What a, what a treasure to have the mind of Christ. What's the most important thing that we can imagine about the mind of Christ? There's a lot of things, but if I could posit to you that it is when Jesus says, 
my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. That, that's why Jesus came, to do the will of the one who sent him. That's why we're here, to do the will of the Father who loves us. We have the mind of Christ, which also means, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that we have truths and knowledge that the Holy Spirit of the living God, that's the second one, the indwelt Holy Spirit of the living God, reveals to us that is not revealed to the rest of creation, that is not revealed to those who do not trust in God. God chose to make his residence in us so that we might understand spiritual truths that are not understood by those that don't know him. Why? Not so that we can lord it over them, so that we can invite them in. So we can say we know a God who is greater. We know a God who reveals that he always reigns. That his sovereign hand lifts up and tears down those whom he chooses to do so with. That he's going to build his church, friends. That he loves us richly and deeply and is there for us and wants us. That he sent his Holy Spirit into his church. So that we would be a people who, just like Daniel, understand these things. None of us ever have to be Daniel again. Thank God he's already done it. But to understand these things and have this faith, have this courage, have this resolve to seek wisdom where it is founded. I want to share a quick encouraging story. I had a conversation uh, this past week with a young woman, 26 years old. Her name's Regina. She got baptized at the Troy campus in December uh, and scheduled a meeting with me. Um, so we met, and I just talked to her a little bit about her life, and, and she shared with me some heartbreaking things that she's been through. But she got baptized in December, and she's like, you know, all this stuff that I went through, uh, that's not me anymore, and I'm a new person. Um, and uh, I think I'm supposed to go on a mission trip. It's like, okay, why do you think that, Gina? She's like, well, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to God, and I think I'm supposed to go on a mission trip so I can help other people know him. I'm like, yeah, amen. Don't you just love the faith of new believers instead of like crusty old believers that start having all these reasons why it's not gonna work? So I even tried to talk her down a little bit where I'm like, well, what, you know, it might not work this year. You know, don't, don't give up on God if it doesn't work for you this year. Just to see how she'd respond. She's like, oh, yeah, no. If he wants me to do it, it's going to be done, pastor. And I'm like, oh, yeah, amen. You are right, sis, right? Like, amen. She wasn't mean like that or anything. Um, but that simple illustration is what it can look like to live according to a God who is greater, whose wisdom is greater, whose kingdom is greater, and who's greater than all other authority. You know, we talked about how are you going to pay for this mission trip? She's like, my parents asked that same question, but I think God's going to provide. I'm like, amen. Uh, I said, where do you want to go? She's like, I don't know, wherever God would send me. I'm like, amen. That's a simple, tiny illustration of what it can look like when we believe in a God that is greater. It's not just about mission trips. It's about everyday life, friends. It's living that way every day. So let's be a people filled with the wisdom of God, petitioning the throne of grace because he wants to give it to us. He wants to give it to those who will trust in him, knowing that his word will guide us in this culture that appears to be clashing with Christian value. Let's not put trust, too much trust into the false Babylonian wisdom of the day. There's plenty of new Babylons that have been erected, friends. They didn't just end with King Nebuchadnezzar. The world is going to continue to try to build kingdoms to solve all of the world's problems. There's only one who can do it. There's no wisdom greater. 
There's no kingdom greater. There is no one greater than our God. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we close? Would you stand to your feet, please, as the worship team comes back? They're going to lead us in an awesome song that is going to be the application for our message. Father in heaven, we do love you. We praise you. We thank you. We trust you. We honor you as the one who is greater than all, as the one who has sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the propitiation for our sins as the one who is the lover of our souls, as the one who allows us some agency in our life to seek him. So I pray that today here at Woodside Bible Church in Warren and with all the relationships that each of us have, that we would seek your wisdom, God, that we would acknowledge that you're greater, God, that we would serve a God that is greater. We wouldn't even get mad at the other culture, but we would say we serve a God that is greater and we would live according to your precepts, your values, your word, and your wisdom. So we thank you that you are greater. We trust you that you are greater. We praise you that you are greater and that we could acknowledge this is only because of what you've done on the cross of Calvary through your son, Jesus Christ, the one who took the penalty that was rightfully ours and receives us when we repent from our sin, turning around saying, I don't have the answer for my life, but I believe you do, Jesus. So as we sing this song, as we hear your word, as we study throughout the week, as we encounter whatever life throws at us, we'll trust you because you're greater. We pray in Jesus' name. Together we say amen. Amen. Let's worship our King, friends. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.